Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 125 of X-Lapse. It's a, well, it's kind of a milestone, right? It is a denomination of uh, 25, so uh, hip, hip, hooray, and all that jazz. Uh, today, we've got, uh, well, the fights finally start in X of Tens here. And uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into the arena here. Uh, this is Excalibur, volume 4, number 14. Had a January 2021 cover date. The story is X of Swords, Chapter 15. Writer Teeny Howard with art by Phil Noto. Letters VCs Ariana Marr. Designs Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman. Edits Bisa White-Sapolsky. Cover price $3.99. Went on sale November 11th of 2020. Now we open with our customary, you know, chapter break quote. And this one's from Apocalypse. And with the power of hindsight, it... Kind of spills the beans about what's about to happen during this very issue Now what Apocalypse talks about here is marrying your greatest fear and your biggest threat Kind of like he did back with uh, back in the long ago with uh, Genesis Now we get into comics here and we're in Otherworld, duh But we're not at the Starlight Citadel We're actually with Jubilee and Dragon Shogo who uh, we haven't seen in a little while And uh I guess if you weren't following Excalibur and are only reading this to get the entire Exosword story, well, you're probably going to have no friggin' idea why Jubilee is hanging out with a wounded dragon. Now, Betsy is checking in with her via telepathy and tells her to stay far away from the Citadel. Naturally, upon hearing this, the only thing Jubilee now wants to do is, uh, you know, go to the Citadel. Betsy's chat is cut short by the arrival of her opponent in our first round of competition. That is, of course, Iska the Unbeaten. Iska is here to offer her the opportunity to bow out gracefully, you know, forfeit the bout rather than face certain death. Betsy brushes her off. Now, Iska reminds her that Unbeaten isn't just a name, it's kind of her whole gimmick. She then assures Betsy that even though her sword's name is Mercy, that is just a name, because she won't be showing her any once the bell rings. Double-page spread of creds, followed by our roll call, and... It's another long one. Jubilee, that weirdo Jamie Braddock, Saturnine, Betsy Britton, Captain Avalon, Kid Cable, Apocalypse, Wolverine, Gorgon, Storm, Magic, Cypher, Iska the Unbeaten, Death, Bay the Blood Moon, Red Root the Forest, Annihilation, The White Sword, and War. The Creepy Summoner does not... Get a, get a little caption here, unfortunately. We get back to comics, and we are in the arena. Now, that weirdo King Jamie Braddock is performing, I don't know, his pre-match comedy routine or something, uh, before announcing the combatants. One, of course, his sister Betsy. The other, Iska the Unbeaten. 
We see our good guys and bad guys in the stands watching as the bout is about to unfold. And I don't know if I should be calling them good guys and bad guys. They all have their own motivations, right? I know who we're rooting for. There's also those other ones. So, the fight begins, and, uh, well, it's it's not a long fight. It's really not a long fight. Uh, Betsy manages to parry a few swipes, even lands one of her own, before Iska goes right for the death blow here. She cuts right through Betsy, rendering her into hundreds of little shards. She shatters, Betsy that is, and rains down to the ground. Opaluna Saturnine enters the field and steps right onto the Betsy bits. And, uh, well, uh, that wasn't exactly how I saw this going, but, uh, okay then. Uh, now the Krakoan champions are, well, they're obviously a little bit freaked out by what you just saw. Uh, Brother Brian has to be restrained from lunging at Saturnine herself here. Uh, Wolverine assures him that going, you know, straight for the interdimensional Witch Queen is a futile endeavor at best. Opaluna then turns her attentions to Doug because he is up next. We get an info page, and, um, hey, did you read the last couple of pages? Because it's basically that. The new information we get here is that that weirdo Jamie Braddock bet against his sister and won a tidy sum of money. It's worth noting that on this page here, they refer to Betsy's loss as an upset, which doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. If you remember, Isco was like a two-to-one favorite to win the whole thing, Betsy's odds were far worse. Not sure these writers know how odds work, unless the odds change from region to region of Otherworld. Like, maybe that weirdo Jamie Braddock kind of, you know, messed with the odds a bit so he could win all this money. I mean, it may not make complete sense, but I guess we can accept it. Get back to comics here, and young Doug is grabbed by some of Saturnine's white priestesses and pulled away. All the while, he cries out that he doesn't want to die. His upcoming opponent, Bay the Blood Moon, is also dragged away by the priestesses, and uh, here's the gimmick of Bay the Blood Moon. Nobody can understand what she says, right? Not even Doug. And I mean, that's like his whole deal. He can understand and translate any language, but he cannot understand Bay. It's a pretty interesting turn of events here, and uh, Doug is quite fascinated by this entire deal here of you know, not being able to translate and understand some language. And he uh, he's so fascinated that he asks Bay to just keep talking. He wants to hear more of this stuff that he does not understand. From here we go to an info page all about Bay the Blood Moon. And uh, so she's the one with the Doom Note power. I, I, I think a couple of episodes ago I, I said Death had that one, but uh, no, no, it was Bay the Blood Moon the whole time, so mea culpa. And it kind of sounds like this Doom Note deal is something like Black Bolt's deal, you know? If he says anything, bad stuff happens here. We hear that, or we learn, that Bay the Blood Moon leveled a mountain with only her voice. Now, here's the thing. Her words are not a true language and cannot be translated. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of interesting. Now, we rejoin Doug as the priestesses are readying him for his upcoming bout... I think we can still refer to it as a bout. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, now, he's draped in a toga, and he's given a floral crown. He's soon joined by Magic, who asks how his makeover is going. Doug still does not want to die. Ilyana says that it's looking more and more likely that he's about to. Which, I mean, thanks a lot. Doug is then led toward a door, which opens to reveal... 
A wedding ceremony? Eh? Really? This this is what we're doing? Okay, okay. Um, now, this is sort of a reverse dealie here, where the bride has already stood at the altar awaiting her groom-to-be. The bride is, duh, Bay the Blood Moon. The groom is, of course, Doug. Now, Saturnine will be officiating over the ceremony. And, well, over the course of the next few pages, Doug Ramsey and Bay the Blood Moon get married. And, uh, you know, I'm not complaining... But I thought this story was supposed to have something to do with swords. Again, I'm not complaining, because swords are boring. (laughs) At least in the context that we're seeing them in this story. So I shouldn't be complaining. This is just very, very bizarre. Very, very weird. And and we'll talk more about it later. Now, before Bay and Doug get to kiss, Jubilee rolls in atop baby Shogo. With his, you know, reality-rending dragonfire. Now, while everyone else deals with them... Bay and Doug do kiss, which I suppose seals the deal. It would seem that Bay can understand everything Doug says, so at least that's something. And, and for all I know, she doesn't, but it seems like she does. Back at the balcony, Saturnine snaps her fingers and takes control of Shogo and his reality-rending dragon's fire. Shogo bucks Jubilee off his back, and she proceeds to fall, fall, fall to her pending doom. Storm is able to swoop her up before she goes splat. Now that takes us to the end of the issue, where we learn that this wedding was Doug and Bay's bout. And so Saturnine declares them both winners, and gives them points. So we wrap up with our first X of Tens scoreboard. Arako has two, Krakoa has one. Uh, the points for Arako are Iska and Bay, Krakoa, Doug. And then we have one apparent death out of the way, with Betsy going to bits. That's where we leave it. Next episode, I'm guessing... I would say I'm guessing the fights continue, but Lord only knows what we have waiting for us in the pages of Wolverine number 7. Maybe, uh... I don't know, maybe he will, uh... have to recite the alphabet backwards faster than Solemn or something. Who, who in the hell even knows? But, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there next time. But let's talk about what we've got here. Um, right off the bat, this is was not at all what I was expecting. And let me be clear here, that's not me praising it for subverting expectations. It's more of an indictment on just how all over the place this entire event truly is. Now again, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to eight issues of flat-out sword-fighting action, right? Back in the day, those fights would have likely gotten their own side miniseries, like, you know, AVX versus back during Avengers versus X-Men. And boy, those were some fillery and shallow stories, you know, stories with quotes around it because they were just fights. But here's the thing. We've suffered, and and yes, suffered, through like 10 issues of sword hunting. That's about 200 pages of sword hunting, give or take. And here, it's like we're on a dime. Everything changes. We're being told that You know, hey, the swords really don't matter quite as much as any of us thought. This swerve here might have been more effective. This tonal shift might have been more effective had it happened like 10 chapters ago. I mean, this is chapter 15. This is a shift that should happen way back. 
I mean, right now, there's just too much foundation laid out to this point. And it hasn't been great foundation, in my opinion, but it's foundation nonetheless. And this just felt a bit jarring. Oh, really, really jarring. Let's talk about some of the beats of the issue here. Our Krakoan contingent, well, they sure got over Betsy's death in a hurry, didn't they? This felt very, very much out of character. Um... I can understand a character like Wolverine realizing that attempting to attack Saturnine would be futile, right? But I also don't see him simply accepting that one of his longtime teammates and friends was just killed a few feet, or however it is we measure distance in other world, right in front of him. The reaction to Betsy's death didn't even get a full page. And I mean, ah. Uh, it's time for uh, an X-Lapse chestnut here. We talk about the stakes, right? It's hard to convince us that these deaths carry weight if we're not even going to get the opportunity to truly react to them here. The story treats this beat as unimportant, and so we, or at least I, see it as unimportant. There are far better ways to do this. They did this in the sloppiest way. Uh, with the, and I mean... Maybe it's leading to something. I don't know. But uh, it just didn't really land for me here. Uh, The Shogo bits. Kind of out of nowhere. I mean, it has been a number of issues since we last saw him and Jubilee. Uh, Readers who aren't following this as closely as we are are probably going to be a little bit confused by this. I mean, hell, I am reading this closely. We've covered it on this show every single issue so far. And I could barely muster up any interest here. Um, you know, Jubilee was like one of my favorite characters growing up. She's kind of my generation's Kitty Pride. You know, she was the point of view character, the young, you know, Wolverine sidekick character. She was the kid that was my age as I was reading this stuff. And boy, have they just wrecked her! In the past decade, decade and a half, right? The vampire thing, the constantly having a baby strapped to her back thing, it's just not great. Um, seeing her and the dragon added to this already bloated and unwieldy story, it just made me groan. It was just like, really? We're doing this? Um... It's not as though I really wanted these, like, every book to go on hold, Right? But like the things that we're picking and choosing to carry with us into this very unwieldy crossover, this very, very big crossover, it just seems so slipshod, you know? Like, we've got a book like X-Factor that got one chapter. One chapter of X-Factor, and we're not going to see X-Factor again until we're done with this story. Here we have Excalibur stuff that they're pulling bits and pieces. We had... We had the, the heretic captains show up. We had we have Jubilee and Baby Shogo. Why are these elements coming in and weaving through? I just don't know. I just don't know. Let's let's talk about the wedding. Felt kinda like a funny haha to me. Let's pull out another X-lapsed trope. Um, I could I could see Teeny Howard saying to her editor, Hey, wouldn't it be funny if? To which, as always, no. The answer is no. No, it wouldn't. This kind of makes that whole issue of New Mutants where Doug and Ileana were practicing for the fight feel kind of pointless. Um, Now, I got a question. Here's a question. Are these a series of one-off, one-on-one bouts, or are we actually having a tournament? 
Does marrying Bay make it so Doug doesn't actually have to fight? Or, in winning the wedding, do Doug and Bay just advance to the next round with a fight whoever they're paired up with next time? This isn't clear at all here. Uh, sometimes this whole, this whole thing is referred to as a contest, other times a tournament. The word tournament carries with it some connotations that are, you know, subsequent levels of competition. I don't know, I feel like maybe I'm thinking about this harder than the creative team at this point, but... Like, did Doug dodge a bullet here? Or is Doug just going to have to face something else? And how do how do we do this when everything's said and done here? Is this just going to be a, a counting of points? Like, do people not actually have to die? If that's the case, I mean, what, <laughs> what have we been building to? I don't know. Keeping it with the wedding, let's look at uh, the reactions to the weddings. To the wedding here. Um, the Krakoans seemed to think it was a hoot. Uh, Wolverine and Gorgon were making fun of Doug for it, saying like, you know, hey, at least death would have been quicker, now marriage is for life. And I want to remind you, this is literally minutes after seeing Betsy go to bits. It felt very, very odd. Um, I mean, even if this wedding was somewhat amusing to them, someone like Wolverine would have to realize that Saturnine is just absolutely screwing with them at this point. She's pulling strings and making them dance. I just don't see Wolverine being so compliant and so even-keeled over it. Again, this just didn't land for me. It didn't work. The points. Let's talk about the points here. We have, we're two to one. Arako is up. What do the points even mean? What do they mean? We were led to believe, or at least I think we were, that points were going to be doled out for winning the duels. I mean, that kind of was the whole point of this, no? But here, Saturnine is just handing out points for random reasons. Like, I mean, I mentioned Wolverine, uh, you know, saying the alphabet backwards. Maybe Wolverine and the Creepy Summoner will have a bake-off, right? Uh, maybe Gorgon and Red Root the Forest can have a game of hopscotch. This reminds me of... Uh, of an episode of The Office, uh, the American version, or uh, if you ask me, the good version. Uh, sorry, British pals. Uh, this is an episode where Michael, the boss, thought he was going to be promoted to a corporate job. And he held a beach day contest to find his replacement. And it wasn't just like, hey, who's the best fit for the job? I mean, they had a hot dog eating contest, a sumo suit fight, they walked on hot coals. And Michael assigned points to the competitors in a way that made... Well, very little sense. He, like, gave out gold stars, thumbs up, and actual denominations of points on top of that. Is that what we've got here? Like, like in three issues, will Saturnine give Apocalypse a gold star after he bests Annihilation in a round of music trivia? What the hell's going on here? I just don't know. Um, now, speaking of trivia, let's wrap up our discussion segment with a piece of trivia. Today... As I mentioned, is the 125th episode of X-Lapsed, and it featured a wedding. And we talked about Excalibur. Now, Excalibur Volume 1 wrapped up with its 125th issue, and that one also featured a wedding. Yeah, look at us being all synergists. How about that? I, I, I never thought I'd be relevant. and uh, Well, I'm still not, but at least there's a, a coincidence there for us. But uh, that's all I got to say about Excalibur number... Uh, 
14 was it? I think it was 14. <laughs> Very confusing. Not what I expected. I guess we'll see as, uh, as we move on here. I guess we will see. But before we go, let's hop into the mailbag here. We only got a couple of letters today, so let's jump right in. We're going to start with Damien, who's talking about cable number five. He says, I have to admit to, by being th- I have to admit to being thrown by this issue of cable. I couldn't see how it had anything to do with Exitens. I found myself guessing that the aliens would turn out to be from one of the parts of Otherworld which were mysterious. As it turns out, I was wrong, and the events of this issue feed into X of Tens in a different way. I'm also right on the same page of not caring about S.W.O.R.D. and not being even slightly interested in the ongoing. It does have a bonkers cast, which, post-Hellions, offers hope that something interesting might happen. I get the feeling, though, that the actual reason we're getting a S.W.O.R.D. series is because of the WandaVision TV series. I doubt you're watching it, but S.W.O.R.D. is a key element. Anyway, until we stop getting random aliens, make mine X-lapsed. Well, the good news is we're never going to stop getting random aliens. As long as Hickman's on the book, there will be random aliens with varying sizes of antlers. It's always going to be a thing. Um, and no, no, I'm not watching WandaVision. I could uh, give a rat's ass about WandaVision. <laughs> I, I know people are enjoying it. That's great. I don't care at all. Which is funny because... Uh, Vision and the Scarlet Witch was actually a bit of Chris trivia here. That was the first Marvel comic I ever spent money on, uh, like on my own. And I don't know why I did it. It was uh, the second miniseries of Vision and the Scarlet Witch. I think it was issue 7, 8, or 9. Whichever one had Toad on the cover, Toad from the Brotherhood. And he was like like in a chair, and there was like a... Like a holograph, hologram projection of a body, like that he was sort of in. That was the first comic book that I ever paid money for when I was probably six or seven years old. I don't know why I wanted it, but I really, really wanted it, and I wound up getting it. Unfortunately, it was, you know, there was the Vision and the Scarlet Witch second miniseries, which was incredibly boring. <laughs> and even though I, I have gone back and I bought. You know, all of it, you know, through various quarter bins and whatnot. And I've tried reading it several times, but just didn't do it for me. So there's a little bit of Chris trivia there, and uh, still no interest in WandaVision. None at all. Uh, And Sword. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to Sword for several reasons. First, the concept, I find it to be very, very dull. I'm so beyond tired of space stuff. Uh, we really don't need more of it. Um, <laughs> I definitely would appreciate some Earth-based uh, stuff here. Just give me, give me a damn. Yeah, it's gonna sound cliche, but give me a damn softball game. Yeah, give me, give me the Morlocks. Give me anything. I, and I hate the Morlocks, but give me the Morlocks. You know, just something. Get us out of outer space, please. But uh, yeah, not looking forward to it because of that, and also because of the uh, the writer. I'm not a fan of that writer, so that's gonna be a uh, that's gonna be a toughie. That's gonna be a toughie, and I will try to be as uh, you know even-minded as possible about it. I just uh, feel he's a uh, very disrespectful fellow to his uh, fan base and potential fan base, and uh, I don't respect that. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. We still have a little time before we get there, thankfully. So we'll see when we get there. But thank you so much for uh, sharing your thoughts on that uh, very odd issue of Cable. (laughs) 
Next up, Walt is talking about Marauders number 15, which we just talked about last episode. Walt says, this seems to be the X title for me, and there's not even an X in it. My favorite of the number ones was Marauders number one. And these two chapters were, despite my feeling, despite feeling simultaneously like filler, have been my favorite chapters I've read of X of Swords to this point. You've mentioned feeling like missing issues, and I was rather surprised to go from the last page of number 14 to the info page recap of recent events in 15. My initial thought was that that would have made for an interesting issue and clear show that this is all taking place in the Marvel Universe. But then I decided I did like it better as just an info page, conveying a lot of what Wolverine saw, but without having to waste time with a tie-in six-issue miniseries and multiple three-issue mini-arcs and several other titles, as many events seemed they do. And you're right. (laughs) Because... And, you know, until I read this, this comment here, um, I don't realize, I didn't realize how lucky we were that we didn't get that because that would be like the most Marvel thing ever, right? We have Wolverine thinking he killed Saturnine and the, the events of that vision playing out in front of him. And wow, yeah, I could see that filling at least a giant size issue. I'm glad all, all it was was two pages here because it could have been could have been massively <laughs> padded out. I mean, this could have been a 30-part series at that point. Uh, Walt continues, Magic and Cable putting Iska to the test, showing off her mutant power of never losing, was amusing, especially the apparent joy on Magic's face seeing stuff in action. That's true. That's true. We don't really get to see Ilyana smile very often and get excited. I mean, she was almost like fangirling to Iska. She's like, oh, I wonder what happened if you face Domino. She got very, very excited. She was very, very happy. And we just don't get to see that anymore. So it was definitely refreshing to see that, just to see a smile on Magic's face that wasn't accompanied by, like, a sarcastic remark. It's very, very cool. Walt continues. The Feast of the Unicorns seemed to fit right in, and of course Wolverine would already be chowing down while others try to come to grips simply with, by seeing what's, simply with seeing what's being served. I don't care for the notion of Wolverine as a comedy character, but his gruff, take-no-crap attitude and not being easily shocked and such makes for some comedic-ish moments when done well, as was the case here. Perhaps it could be horrifying, so I guess whatever that says about my sense of humor is what it is. And you're right. Um, they, uh, uh, Percy and, uh, Duggan, one of the things that I, I mentioned during our discussion of, um, the, both issues of Marauders was that they were funny. They were funny. They, the humor was actually well done. It didn't feel cheap. It didn't feel like a funny haha. It just felt like, it felt like they understood the more surreal elements of the story they were telling and were able to exploit that. And and make it funny and make it interesting and make it just play up the whimsy a little bit of the situation, the the surreality of it. I, I thought they really did a good job of that. Uh, Walt continues, 14 chapters into 22, and now we leave off with the first actual sword fight to begin next chapter. Seems pretty ludicrous in a way for something called Exoswords to wait this long to get to the meat of the action. But as I finish the issue, I figured the rest of the issues will hopefully be chock full of action. Right? Well, <laughs> we don't know that yet. The, the, the jury is still out. 
We did get a couple of pages of action here. Uh, we did get uh, Betsy and Iska swinging swords for about six or seven panels. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know what we're in for here. And people whose opinions I very much respect have told me that good things happen here. So I'm cautiously optimistic, but... Uh, you know, I guess uh, when the rubber when the rubber hits the road or whatever, whatever the saying is, we'll we'll know, we'll know. So uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your thoughts on that wonderful issue, Marauders. That was a very fun issue. Really, really helped to pull me back in when I thought I thought I was about to break. So uh, thank you, Jerry Duggan and Benjamin Percy, and uh, thank you. <laughs> but uh, that is where we will stop for today. If anybody would like to join the conversation or just reach out and say hello, please feel free to do so. I'm very, very lonely, and I like hearing from anybody about anything. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, or you can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find blog posts and show notes over at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. If all you want to see is the X stuff, you can go to xlabs.chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. It's got that really neat uh, little tile panel thing that blogger gives you where you get to see the little uh, thumbnails and they flip around and look all cute so xlapsed.chrisisoninfiniteearths.com you can chat us up on facebook our little group is 90s x-men and you can hear a whole bunch of podcasting comic book stuff over at chrisandreggie.podbean.com well that'll do it for today here Uh, we are Almost in the home stretch. We're almost in the home stretch. So uh, before we know, we'll be back to, uh, I guess, business as usual, for lack of a better term. Uh, I would like to thank you all so, so much for sharing your time with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. Searching